You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Remain standing as we read from the scripture from 2 Kings, the second chapter. I'll read it all. 2 Kings, the second chapter, starting at verse 5. Now the sons of the prophets were at Jericho, came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he answered and said, yes, I know, shut up. I'm sorry, keep silent. <laughs> keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit or your anointing be Upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taking from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked, and suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Verse 10 again for your hearing, which is where our text comes from and the subject comes from. It says, so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, you see me when I'm taken from you. It shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. On your way down to your seat, look at somebody on the left and, and the right and tell them, ask a hard thing. Ask a hard thing. I don't know who was preaching a couple weeks ago, and then I saw someone preaching on another ministry. I was watching a ministry on YouTube, and I think Pastor Marshall was preaching about it. I may have been Pastor Hannah preaching about it. But this thing has just been turning over and over and over in my spirit about the account of Elijah's successor, 
who was known as Elisha. This is believed to be about 15 years since Elijah's first encounter with Elisha, where he had been running from Jezebel, crying that he was the only one of the prophets. And as he often was, he, Elijah was known to have these great highs and great lows. Great highs when God was working through him. Great lows when a woman tells him, I'm going to kill you. And God, as it were, almost gets tired of it and said, let's just go anoint your replacement. Go anoint Elisha to be the prophet in your room, to be your successor, to be your replacement. He finds Elisha behind 12 yoke of oxen, which the reason why the Bible is giving us that indicates of how many it was, because if you had two oxen, you were an average farmer. He had 12 yokes. That means 24 oxen. He was behind them. This is the, the equivalent of a caterpillar. Uh, what, what, what's, what's the deer? Uh, John Deere machine of his day. I mean, he, is, he has major investments in his family business. He's doing well, and he gets the interruption of the call. Y'all remember that? that okay, thank you over here. Somebody said, now the rest of y'all said, what the? He's interrupted by the call to be in ministry. And then Elijah throws his mantle on him, and he says, allow me to go bid my, my mother, my father farewell first. And he said, listen, settle it for yourself. What about He said, you know what this means, but you have to make a decision what you're going to do with the call. I know you're busy. I know you're making money right now, but you decide what God wants to do with your life. And you decide if you can make better plans for your life than God can make for your life. You settle this for yourself. He sells it for himself. He goes and kills all the oxen. Somebody said, he should have sold them. He kills them. He boils them with all the instruments. Didn't even put the instruments on eBay. Doesn't even profit from his old life. And he makes a decision to follow Elijah. And now 15 years later, Elijah is coming to the end of his ministry. Now, the call didn't tell him how long he was going to serve him. He's later known simply, initially, as the one who poured water on Elijah's hands. He merely served him, and he served him for 15 years. He served him for 15 more years of ups and downs. He served him through 15 more years of seeing the anointed side of the man of God and just the man's side of the man of God. Now he comes down to this place where his ministry is going to come to an end, and the Bible, this chapter starts off at the time that God was going to take him up in a whirlwind that he has Elijah going with him, and he, first he tries to tell him to leave. You can leave now. Your servanthood is up. You've been faithful. You've done what you should do. He says, first, I, I stay here. Uh, he goes to Gilgal. He goes to Bethel, and then he goes to Jordan. The interesting thing is when you study that, when the children of Israel came, uh, and also Jericho, when the children of Israel came in to the promised land, it was just the opposite. 
first Jericho, then they go on the AI, and then they go to, they go to these other cities. But now this is showing decrease. This is showing going backwards. In other words, now he's following a man who looks like the ministry is coming to an end. Looks like this is a time of decrease. Can I tell you, sometime when you're faithful in a season of decrease, it's going to be your biggest promotion. When you hang in there, when it doesn't look like you should hang in there, when everybody else is jumping ship, it's when God will get ready to promote you. So he's go, and as he's going on, we pick up here in, in the middle of this, in verse 5, prophets come to Jericho and said to Elijah, he said, don't you know the master, your master, your boss, your spiritual father is going to be taken from you today? Now, I perceive that they knew that because they were sons of the prophets. They had a prophetic word to know what was happening. And Elijah said, yeah, I know it, but hold your peace, shut up. To all you folks who get words, you got to know when to hold it and when to fold it. He didn't need them to say anything to him. Sometimes God gives you a word and it's just to pray. The Lord already showed me, shut up. Just hold that to yourself. He says, I know, hold your peace. And, and he says, stay here, I'm going to Jordan. Jordan is the place of death. Remember when they came into the promised land, the last place that they go over is Jordan. And now Elijah's saying, I got to go back to Jordan. But Elisha reconfirms his commitment and says, I'm not going anywhere. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm not going to leave you. They go on. And then he goes to this final last place, and as he gets ready to finally cross over, the last place that he's going over the Jordan, about to die or about, or about to be transferred into the whirlwind because he didn't die a human death as we know. God took him up. There's two people we know the Scripture that God did that. One we know directly happened, the other one is implied, and the other one was Enoch. The Bible said Enoch walked with God and was not. He walked with God. Now you see him, now you don't. And Elisha, we know specifically, I mean, a chariot of fire came down and takes him on to be with the Lord. And he takes his mantle, and this is his last miracle, takes his mantle uh, that, that he had once used to call Elijah, strikes the Jordan, and it divides on the left and the right. This is like the second or third time that the Jordan has been parted or held up in some way, supernatural things happening at the Jordan. And then Elijah said, before you go, he says, uh, he says what, uh, Elijah said, what, is there anything I can do for you? They didn't have wills as we would know it. That. So at right now, I'm going to give you my last will. I'm going to put you in my will. What do you want that I can give to you? And he asked for something. He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said to him, you've asked a hard thing. And it could have stopped right there. Elijah said, you've asked for a hard thing, but you got to keep He said, nevertheless... Nevertheless is a, is a big nevertheless, a four-syllable word that means the same thing as but. You've asked for a hard thing, but, and, and I've taught you that but means something's about to change. You've asked for a hard thing, nevertheless, but if you see me when I'm taken from you, you can have it. It shall be, but if you don't see me, then it's not going to happen. 
He said, you're going to have to hang in there. Look, somebody said, hang in there. Mm -hmm. He said, you'll ask a hard thing. Ask a hard thing. Ask a hard thing. You know, it takes real faith to ask a hard thing. I told y'all one of my sons who happens to be over here today, the one who's here today, you can't ever get them all in the same room one time. They're just busy people, y'all. They're just busy people. He is the one who's always asked for anything. Anything. No, he has no problem to this day. When I think he's too old to ask, he don't think he's too old to ask. If my daddy's got it and I need it, I will ask. Whether to hold my truck for a month, which I just traded in, he won't be getting this one. Or to help him out of a situation, he will ask. And some people are afraid to ask, and others aren't. Some people really have the understanding, even if I ask a hard thing, either yes or no. If I get a yes, it changes my life. If I get a no, then I'm right where I didn't lose anything. So look at somebody say, dare to ask, dare to ask. Come on, look at somebody and say, what you got to lose? What you, what you got to lose? to ask God for a hard thing. Like Hezekiah, many of us know and have faith for easy things, but sometimes we're afraid to ask for hard things. In 2 Kings, the 20th chapter, verse 8 through 11, uh, 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 Hezekiah, he had been sick. He prayed. The Lord tells him, Hezekiah, I'm going to add 15 more years to your life. I heard your intercession for yourself, and I've heard your prayer. I'm going to heal you, and, and you're going to be, you're going to live another 15 years. Now, God speaks to him. I don't know what, com what more confirmation you need. But anyway, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, because the Lord, Isaiah gave him the word, he said, what's the sign that the Lord is going to heal me? What's the sign that I'm really going to go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And it, it, Isaiah said, the sign is going to be that the Lord is going to do this for you in 2 Kings 20, around verse 9 now. He says, there's going to be a shadow that goes forth 10 degrees and then goes back with 10 degrees on the sundial. And Hezekiah said, look, look at Hezekiah. Well, that easy. It's an easy thing for a shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow come backwards 10 degrees. Don't do something easy. If this is really God, I'm expecting him to do the hard thing. Y'all not hear me here. Let it come back. So the Isaiah the prophet cried to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backwards. In other words, instead of the sun setting, it started rising at night, by which he had gone down the sundial of Ahab. Elijah told Elijah, you've asked for a hard thing. Can I tell you this? Catch this. Hard thing does not mean an impossible thing. Hard does not mean impossible. We know that hard is never on the part of God. Hard is from our paradigm. Hard is from our perspective. Y'all hear that old question Dumb question, people, can God create a rock that's too heavy for him to carry? You ever hear people say, even the thing people say, which came first, chicken or the egg? Well, which came first, the woman or the egg? Uh, that's real simple, y'all. The egg is a sign of reproduction. 
Anyway, now y'all got the answer. I always wondered about that. Can God create a rock to, to no, he can and he wouldn't. There's nothing that God can't do. Luke 1, 37 reminds us, for with God, what? Nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. In Matthew 19, after Jesus got finished telling his disciples, it's hard for rich folks to start trusting God more than they trust their riches. It's hard for people to think that God can take care of them better than they can take care of themselves. It's hard for people to think that God can work miracles and give you favor and give you stuff you didn't have to work for and buy. That's what he means when he says hard for a rich man into the kingdom of heaven or God's way of doing things. And, and because everybody they knew was rich, they said, well, Lord, who can be saved? And Jesus responds in Matthew 19, 26. He said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. Jesus again says in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, if you can believe, hold now the condition. Here's the nevertheless. Here's the condition for you getting your answer to the hard thing. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who what? Who believes. So God even challenges us to ask for hard things. A friend of mine, uh, Pastor Greg Poe, he, he, he used to say, um, uh, 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 dreams are free, so dream big. <laughs> Come on, look at somebody say, dreams are free, so go ahead and dream big. God challenges us to dream big, to envision big, and to ask big, and to ask even for the hard thing. Psalms uh, 2 and 8, here's the word of the Lord. God says, ask me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. He said, I'm not just going to automatically do it, but if you ask me, ask me and I will give you nations for your inheritance. And you worry about customers. And you wonder about where the client's going to come from. And you wonder about where the money's going to pay for the rent. Where's the money going to come for a down payment? God said, if you just ask me, I'll get nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God said, go ahead and ask me for some hard things. So hard, y'all, is never on the part of God and surely has nothing to do with God's ability because, we, we, you know, one of the, one of the uh, attributes of God is that he's omnipotent. Omnipotent. Y'all know, uh, you know, when a man has problems, what do you call that? Impotent. Can I tell you, God has never needed Viagra. He is omnipotent, which means he has all power. Everybody say all power. Okay? That's what omnipotent means. He has all power in himself. Jeremiah 32, 27, God says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. And then God asks us, come on, think about this, y'all. Is there anything too hard for me? I'm the God of all flesh. I made every last one of y'all. I created the sun, the moon, the stars, the whales, the gorillas, the giraffes, anything that moves, the lion, the tiger, the bear, oh my. 
I created everything. I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? But there are conditions and prerequisites for asking and receiving the hard things. First one I want to give you today is that when you ask the hard thing, you got to ask in faith. You must ask in faith. You can't ask in religion. You can't just ask procedurally. You just can't ask because that's what the deacon prayer did every Sunday morning. Lord, if you just stop by and you ain't expecting God to stop by nowhere. The hospital, the prison, you ain't expecting him to go nowhere. You're just saying what's been said and you're not really expecting God to move. Now, let's, let's, let's rest in that a moment because some, um, sometimes we pray religiously and we don't really expect God to move. We pray, that, we, we, we pray for miracles. We pray for deaf ears to open. We pray for miracles, and then we're shocked when we see one. Ah! Ah! Get up and stop praying. Stop falling out. We expected this. We asked God for this. Come on now. Why are you acting shocked that God actually answers prayer? Why are you acting shocked that God actually did the hard thing? Why are you acting shocked that your student loan got canceled? Not, not pray religiously. We got to ask in faith. Faith asks with confidence and expectation. James, the first chapter, 5 through 8, it tells us if any lack wisdom, and I always put that word in, wisdom in parentheses there and tell you can put anything in there. If you lack anything, if you lack money, if you lack healing, you lack wisdom, whatever you lack, whatever the gap is between you and the promise, between you and what you're believing for, whatever you lack, the solution is what? Keep reading. Let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. When you look up liberally and without reproach, first of all, li liberally means he gives generously. Aren't y'all glad God's not stingy, God? Don't ask me, y'all, because I can be stingy sometimes. I might not give it all to you. I got this thing. I got, I got this thing. I, I want people to use the faith too. So when people ask me something, whatever they ask, I ain't giving it all to them. That's just how, that's just how I work. I shouldn't have told y'all. Now you're going to say, I'm just going to ask for twice as much as I need. You'll give me half and that'll be it. I don't, don't worry, I'm going to have a new strategy by next time. No, because sometimes, no really, but I do this thing, I want people to use their faith. You can't run to everybody for everything. No, I'm very serious about that. You got you to stop being dependent. People can help, but stop being dependent on everybody to get you out of all your crisis. Sometimes you got the triangle of your faith is going to work some patience. You need to go through some stuff sometimes and say, God, now I ain't going to ask nobody for this. I'm just going to trust you. God, if you can't do this thing, it can't be that. I usually run the mama. I usually run the daddy. I usually run the benevolent. But God, I'm going to trust you. Now, I done heard that you can supply all my needs, and I'm going to trust you to supply my needs, and I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to tell anybody anything. God, I'm expecting you to come through for me. 
That's why we never apply for welfare. I said, God, your word says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall wear, what you're going to put on. After all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, God, either your word is true or you're a liar. But I believe you're true. So some kind of way, you're going to supply all my needs and cause all grace to abound towards me, that I'm all sufficient in all things, and I'm self-sufficient. I will require no aid or support from anybody. Oh, Jesus. Some of y'all really don't understand. People are amazed at this church. All the more amazed now because they know I have not been politically connected. Some folks don't know what I am. Is it a Republican? Is it Democrat? What is it? I'm a man of faith. I said, I'm a man of faith. I do vote, but I'm a man of faith. The Word of God is going to come first. I'm going to believe God before I believe anybody else. God didn't tell me to build something, do something, if I get a grant. There's something we're waiting on right now, some grant. And I said, listen, this thing got to be done. Forget the grant. Even don't give it. Get the thing done. I'm not sitting around waiting to do what God told us to do for the government to help. I thank God for government, but I'm not going to let that be my source. All my help comes from the Lord through people, but it comes from the Lord. You got to first lift up your eyes to the hills from which coming your help. If you trust God, then now he'll give you favor with God and man, with Democrats and Republicans, with the highs and the low, with the rich and the poor. I went last year and I spoke at this Give conference. That's about helping pastors and leaders create a, a context of a, a, a culture of generosity in their church. I said, first thing I do is stop counting people's money. I said, stop counting other people's money. You know why? I said, because the ones you think will, won't. And ones you think won't, will. It's statistically proven, it's statistically proven, sometimes the higher people's income, the less percentage that they give. So sometimes you think those who will, won't. And those who won't will. We have to trust God. So when it says God gives liberally and without reproach, without reproach means that he doesn't say, oh, now you're asking me, huh? Like I would. If you had listened to me, you wouldn't be in this situation. And he upbraideth not. That means he doesn't hold your past against you. He's glad that you finally trusted him and depended on him. But then verse 6 said, let him ask what? Let him ask in faith. Let him what? Ask what? In faith, when I ask, I got to ask how. I can't just procedurally ask. Watch it. I'm told to be in faith before I ask. Whoever cometh to him must believe that he is. Not getting ready to believe he is. When I come, I got to believe. When I come, I got to come in confidence. When I come, I got to expect a yes. When I come, I need to already know that the promise of God are yea and amen. When I come, I got to know that he loves me like that. When I come, I got to know that he wants to supply. When I come, I got to know he got all power in his hand. Don't come until you're ready to be in faith. Man, this is good stuff here. He says you got to ask in faith. And then he explains what being in faith is, faith with no doubting. He said, because if you doubt, it's like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, up and down, in and out. Up and, he loves me, he loves me now. That's how that, some of y'all with God. He loves me, he loves me now. He loves me, my student loan was canceled. 
He loves me, but this one wasn't. He loves me, he loves me up and down. You're wavering. He who doubts like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, but let not that man suppose he receive anything from the Lord. So we see that when I, in order for me to be in faith, I got to drive the doubt out. Come on now. That's why sometimes before you ask, fast. Before you ask, find all the scriptures. Come on. You need to, see, see a good lawyer, okay? My lawyers aren't here today. Any other lawyers in here? Okay, okay. A good lawyer prepares before you go to court. A good lawyer already knows the case law and the precedent that they're going to stand on. A good lawyer knows what has been the prior cases and what the law says so they can remind the judge. Okay? When the Supreme Court, they take questions, and they're taking questions from both sides, both of them trying to prove their point based upon law, based upon precedent. Are you following me? And so before you come to court, you need to know what he said he's going to do. That's what the scripture means when he says, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. And then that's what God means when he says, put me in remembrance of my word. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.